Hello, friends. I'm Pastor Pitts Evans. Welcome to the Whole Word Podcast. Let's get right to the Word of God. 2 Samuel chapter 11. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Reba, but David remained behind in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, She is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanness. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David, saying, I am pregnant. So David sent this word to Joab, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent him to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked him how Joab was, how the soldiers were, and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace, and a gift from the king was sent after him. But Uriah slept at the entrance to the palace with all of his master's servants and did not go down to his own house. David was told Uriah didn't go home. So he asked Uriah, Haven't you just come from a military campaign? Why didn't you go home? Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah are staying in tents, and my commander Joab and my lord's men are camped in the open country. How could I go to my house to eat and drink and make love to my wife? As surely as you live, I will not do such a thing. Then David said to him, Stay here one more day, and tomorrow I'll send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. At David's invitation, he ate and drank with him, and David made him drunk. But in the evening, Uriah went out to sleep on his mat among his master's servants. He did not go home. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In the letter, he wrote, Put Uriah out in front where the fighting is fiercest, then withdraw from him so that he will be struck down and die. So while Joab had the city under siege, he put Uriah at a place where he knew the strongest defenders were. When the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, some of the men of David's army fell. Moreover, Uriah the Hittite died. Joab sent David a full account of the battle. He instructed the messenger, When you have finished giving the king this account of the battle, the king's anger may flare up, and he may ask you, Why did you get so close to the city to fight? Didn't you know they would shoot arrows from the wall? Who killed Abimelech, son of Jerub-Besheth? Didn't a woman drop an upper millstone on him from the wall so that he died in Thebes? Why did you get so close to the wall? If he asks you this, then say to him, Moreover, your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead. The messenger set out, and when he arrived, he told David everything Joab had said for him to say. The messenger said to David, The men overpowered us and came out against us in the open, but we drove them back to the entrance of the city gate. 
Then the archers shot arrows at your servants from the wall, and some of the king's men died. Moreover, your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead. David told the messenger, Say this to Joab, Don't let this upset you. The sword devours one as well as another. Press the attack against the city and destroy it. Say this to encourage Joab. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. After the time of mourning was over, David had her brought to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Now this chapter records the low point, biblically speaking, of David's life. He was um, so wrong in so many ways in this situation, it's hard to cover them all, but I'm going to give it a try. So it starts out in the spring at the time when kings go after war. David remained in Jerusalem. So the implication is from the outset that David was not where he was supposed to be. He was supposed to be out leading the armies of Israel, but he sent Joab and he stayed home. So David, you know, idle hands are the devil's workshop, as has been said historically. And in this case, if David had been out fighting with the army, he wouldn't have been in the line of temptation in Jerusalem. But sadly, he was in Jerusalem. And so one evening, David got up from his bed, and he's walking around on top of the palace. He looks out and looks down, we assume, and sees a woman bathing. And the woman's very beautiful. So David sends someone to inquire about her, and he was told, This is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Now let me just pause on that a second. Eliam and Uriah were two of David's 30 men, 30 mighty men. They were uh, very, very important leaders in Israel. These weren't just two guys. So she's the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite, both of them among David's 30 mighty men. But even more than that, Eliam is the son of a man named Ahithophel. Ahithophel was David's chief counselor. So Bathsheba was Ahithophel's granddaughter. This will become significant later on when Absalom rebels against David and Ahithophel sides with Absalom, because it probably goes back to this event of the seduction of Bathsheba. But nevertheless, David found out that she was related to these two leaders in Israel, three if you count Ahithophel, and nevertheless, David sent for the woman to get her, and uh, she came and he slept with her. We don't know the, the exchange between them, but the net result was Uh, They committed adultery. David committed adultery with this woman. The woman conceived, and she sent word to David. So if David at that point had stopped and said, you know, I've committed um, adultery with Uriah's wife, and um, I need to fess up to this, it would have been bad. But David actually compounded his sin. He came up with this plot to get Uriah to come and pretend the baby was his. So Uriah comes, David says, um, you know, go to your house, sleep with your wife, have a good time, thinking he could hide his sin. And uh, Uriah didn't fall for it. Uriah was apparently a very virtuous man. And he said to David, how can I go down to my, my wife and make love to my wife when Israel and Joab and the Lord's men are camped in open country? How could I do such a thing? So apparently this um, Uriah was a virtuous man, even to the point of, of um, 
wanting to stand in solidarity with his fellow soldiers who were still in the battlefield, he refused to go into his own home. So he slept at the doorway of David's palace, and David found out about it. And then David um, compounded that and tried to get Uriah drunk, thinking if I get him drunk, he'll want to go home and spend the night with his wife. But once again, Uriah did not go home to sleep with his wife, and we assume for these same reasons. He didn't want to take advantage of a good situation while his fellow soldiers were at battle. So David then ramps it up yet again. He comes up with this plot to murder Uriah uh, through Joab and through the the battle that the, the army was engaged in. So David wrote a letter to Joab, and in the letter he wrote, Put Uriah out in front where the fighting is fiercest. Then withdraw from him so that he'll be struck down and die. So this is this is murder, friends. I don't care how you want to put it. It's murder by proxy, but nevertheless, it was a, an intentional execution of Uriah. And so um, uh, while Joab had the city under siege, he put Uriah right at the battlefront uh, where the fighting was fiercest. And sure enough, Uriah the Hittite died. Now, We assumed initially that Bathsheba is somehow complicit in this, but there's a clue in this chapter that seems to mean that Bathsheba held her husband in high regard, because in verse 26, when she heard that Uriah was dead, she mourned for him. So she didn't say, oh, goody, you know, David has managed to cover up her sin. She was very um, sad for her husband. There's nothing to indicate she was complicit with David in this plot to kill her husband. But nevertheless, after her period of mourning, David brought her to his house, and she became David's wife and bore him a son. But the Bible says the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. And um, later on in scriptures, we read that David was perfect in all of his ways, except in the matter of Bathsheba. So this was a huge uh, seminal moment in David's life, and it could have resulted in his destruction. But we'll see uh, going forward how the thing was handled. But right now, I just want to make a point that um, David's progression of sin moved forward step by step. And we're all subject to this type of temptation, not necessarily adultery, but perhaps adultery. In the case of David, he saw something he desired. It was the woman, a beautiful woman bathing. And um, uh, he went from what he saw and with this temptation of desire, he decided to act on it. So he sent for the woman. And uh, he engaged in adultery. If that were not enough, he tried to deceive her husband and make him think that the husband was the the father of David's baby with the pregnant wife. Uh, That didn't work. Then David resorted to um, drunkenness, getting the man drunk and uh, another sin, and the man didn't fall for it. So David plotted to murder Uriah and, in fact, did uh, murder Uriah by proxy with Joab in a battle. And so you see the progression of the sin. It's like that for us, too. Someone has correctly said, sin will take you further than you ever intended to go. And it is a fact. And so, Lord, I ask that you would arrest each of us and examine us. Holy Spirit, examine me and everyone that's listening to this. Lord, see if there is any progression of temptation that's before us. See if we are in the process of being tempted and perhaps already entering into sin. Lord, stop the progression. Give us grace to repent and to turn before it's too late. God, um, forgive those things that we've done and lead us not into temptation as Jesus taught us to pray. We ask these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Whole Word. It was brought to you by Whole Word Fellowship and the Northern Virginia House of Prayer. If you were encouraged, please share our podcast with your friends. We'd also appreciate it if you'd hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app and take a few moments to write a review. If you'd like more information on our church and our ministry, you can go to wholeword.net or wholewordpodcast.com for more information. Thank you again, and may the Lord Jesus bless you today and always.